the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The helper has come. And indeed, as Christians, you and I rely heavily and utterly dependently upon the work of the Holy Spirit, as we'll see next on Truth For Today. When it comes to our walk with Christ, it is a walk that is utterly and completely dependent upon the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're looking at here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Hi there. Welcome to the program. We're continuing our look at the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, as we continue our survey of John. Here in chapter 14, Jesus tells us that he's going to send the Helper, and in fact, the Helper has come. We're looking at the specifics of this that we might be encouraged to continue the race. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Friend, I'm a new creation and you are too. The Spirit created it. I'm in union with Christ. He's not just holding on to me. Friend, I'm not just in His hand. I'm a part of His hand. I've been immersed into the body. I'm in the body. Christ would have to amputate his body to get me lost. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm with you forever. And you said, this spirit is with me forever. Well, if you weren't so uptight, you'd get happy over this stuff. This stuff gets you happy. Then he indwells every believer. He's going to come. He's been with you. I believe that was the Old Testament relationship. He came and went. You remember David was scared to death that God would take his Holy Spirit from him? Because he'd watched Saul when the Spirit left him and when demonic spirits came and tormented him. And David said, "Uh uh-oh, I've committed a horrendous sin. I've stolen a man's wife. I've got into adultery. I've murdered. Oh, I'm going to lose the Holy Spirit just like Saul. Because the Spirit came and went. Don't ever use Samson to teach our young people as the model how to live for God. But why did the Spirit come and go on him? God's sovereign and he could use even a donkey. That's why he's using you. He ain't impressed with you folks, nor me. He can move on anybody he wants. He moved on rocks. He moved on an animal that could tell Balaam, you're wrong, you stop. He's sovereign. I can move on Samson to kill the enemies of Israel. And he's one of the most immoral men in the Bible. And and he's put in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. Not for his character. Just he obviously had a faith relationship with God. And God used him to do great things. But no pattern for how to live. Way back there. And David said, don't take your spirit from me. Now he says the promise, I'm going to send you another helper. And I've been here on the earth for 33 years and I'm going back. And you won't see me, 
for 2,000 years. I want to show up and show you in my resurrection state for 50 days. I'm going to show you myself. But for 2,000 years, I'm going to be invisible. And I'm going to be up there. But I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and he will be in you forever. And, and he will move into you. And he will be like uh, a permanent live-in. Have you ever had anyone move in and live with you longer than you thought they would? <laughs> One sister raised her hand. You can see the misery right there. She's been through it. Said, uh, uh, some people are like a fish in three days. They begin to spoil. It's time to go. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to move in your house. He's going to make it his temple. And uh, no matter how you behave, he's going to stay in there. And uh, you're going to know he's there because he grieves when you, you disobey. You're going to feel him quenched at times. That's an amazing thing, that you feel the Spirit quenched in you. Uh, how do you feel a live-in person quenched? I guess they quit talking or uh, they're sad. But he said, this live-in person will feel quenched when he's not uh, welcome, when he's not obeyed, when he's not wanted. He, you'll feel a grieving person living in your heart. And sometimes you say, what's wrong with me? I can't enjoy sin like I used to. You've got a new live-in. And it's not your boyfriend. This is your God. Your God moves in. And he's Holy Spirit. You know why he's always called Holy? He emphasizes his job as the third member. He emphasizes the uniqueness, the separateness, and the transcendence of the living God, that there's no other God or being in all the universe like this. And I'm going to underscore, he's the set-apart holy God. And he doesn't run with evil, compromise, anger, doubt, unbelief, sin. And he's going to stay in there and say, honey, I'm not going to move out. You've got to get right. You've got to make me feel at home. Because I'm with you forever. Now you want him around when you need help. You just don't want him around when you want to sin. But he's there for both occasions. I sure want him in the midnight hour when troubles are piling up around me. And I need help. I need help. I'm glad he's on board. Let's keep moving. Fourthly. He's the one that gave them power to become bold witnesses. Uh, we constantly hear believers talk in evangelism. Well, I'm timid. I'm cowardly. Well, welcome to the Disciples Club. Have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? That he puts a ramrod in your back and finally gives you a backbone to represent the truth. The very disciples in this night that bail out on the Son of God are the very people that on the day of Pentecost, every man in this room except for John dies a martyr's death. Where did the courage and the change come from? You might be saying, 
Are you telling me if I get his help, I become a martyr? No, but you would be willing to if you had to. Some of you, it's a strain to make it to church. How about being a martyr? Where did they get this? You stay in Jerusalem. And when I send this power from on high, I'm going to take all you men that abandoned me in my greatest trial. I'm going to forgive you, but you need more than forgiveness. You need enablement lest you do it again. In my early Christian life, I got tired of always having to get forgiveness. I wanted to have some victory. I wanted to say, I don't do it. I got through that. But I find out after lo these many years, every day I've got to start with the cross and forgiveness before I get to power. I got to ask forgiveness for what I haven't done. Oh, I don't do the socially wrong ones. I've quit being a drug dealer. Don't whip my wife, except on Monday. You know, our dad taught us boys a song. It's a shame to whip your wife on Sunday when you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, the biggie. So you got to look good. You got to look good. But isn't it amazing the longer you know God, how aware of your sinfulness you are? But boy, you look good. I haven't done that. I haven't done that. Well, what are you doing that's grieving the Spirit? Do you have any power to witness? No, I don't have that power. This is my way I'm made. This is my personality. Oh, get out of here. God doesn't conform himself to your personality. He wants to change you. Not change him. And he took these cowards. He took these bailout men. And he said, I want to infuse power. I'm going to infuse strength you've never had before so that you will never bail out on me again. Never bail out. How are you doing witnessing? Does anybody on your job know you're a Christian? Does anybody in your household know you're a Christian? Any Jesus on display around there? Or do you pull up to the church parking lot and you tell your wife, smile, we're at church. Well, why don't you smile because you're at home? Because she's living with you. I was kidding a pastor friend of mine. I happened to be post-tribulationist. I said, well, your wife had to become one when she married you. She knows she entered into it. You don't even know the theological point. That's okay. Paul knows. He knows what I'm talking about. Where's, where's, the, where's this power? You shall receive power. I'm sending you a helper. I'm not sending it to men who batted 99. You all fail. I'm beginning with a failing group of people. And I want to infuse my power to show that the might and the power of Christianity lies in a resurrected Christ. And he had to die on the cross to buy you the help he sent. The Holy Spirit has all the power to help you do everything God wants you to do. We've got the power. 
You know what reminds me? Um, in, in regeneration, let's, let's use the illustration. It's like a new motor has been made. We got this 500 horsepower engine. Or let's take a motor of some other making. The only problem, it has to be plugged in. No matter what the motor can do. That's, I think, cars, other kinds of equipment. It has to be plugged into a power source. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to furnish you power if you'll wait in Jerusalem. And he came. He's the power source. You'll be so thrilled when you quit always having to fail and confess. And you finally start drawing on divine power. He wants to empower us weaklings to be powerful in Christ. Well, he uh, goes on. Look at the Romans 8. Romans 8. How's your prayer life doing? Well, it will certainly get quiet. Talk about evangelism and prayer and giving, and you can always quiet a church down. Look at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also what helps our weakness. Well, we've got a lot of them, Lord. Which one are you talking about? It's singular. For we do not know how to pray as we should. At least they're trying to pray. Have you ever showed up to pray and ignorance took the day? And you finally said, duh. I don't know what to ask. You ever been there? Sure. More than you can imagine. And so in our, in our ignorant state, we need help. And said so the Spirit comes. He's very much involved in your prayer life. And he knows maybe you've been praying for the wrong thing or you haven't been able to articulate anything. You maybe just feel uh, frozen up inside. You're maybe in sorrow. You just, uh, whatever the state is, it doesn't seem to speak in a condemning way. It just seems to be a matter of our experience We do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So he he groans, uh, he does something in us. Isn't it interesting that the third person of the Godhead can groan inside of you, over you? And this word groaning is used three times in Romans. He said all creation groans, the spirit groans, and Christians groan. Can you imagine the member of the Godhead being so involved with you that in prayer at that point, when ignorance takes over your heart, maybe from heartache, uh, a situation you can't fix, control, uh, well, I wonder, I just read Job 1 through 3 last night. How in the world did this man without a Bible, without a church, without a radio class teacher, 
How in the world was he able to say, naked I came into this world, and naked shall I leave. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I tell you right now, if ten of my children just died, I could not articulate such a prayer. It is astounding, the response. This man is pre-Abraham. Many scholars believe he was an Arab. There's nothing that says he was Jewish. Where did he even know about God? Oral tradition. All the way down from Adam through Noah. He learned about God some way. And 42 chapters describe his sorrow and his debate with the comforters. The Holy Spirit comes to help you uh, in the articulation of prayer that many times... You got what you needed, but it wasn't a thing you prayed for. Well, who requested it? How did it get there? The Holy Spirit knew your predicament. And he took over the prayer meeting. And it doesn't say you're groaning. Does it say you're groaning? He's groaning. How does the invisible person of the God in the third, how does the Holy Spirit groan? Some think this is tongue praying. Some think that we are uh, physically, audibly groaning. We might, we might, but it doesn't say that. It says this third person of the, I don't know exactly. I've experienced it, but I don't, I can't put an exact, am I groaning on the floor? Or on my knees in prayer? Uh, am I, uh, uh, and I can't articulate anything? Or is it, I've got a member of the Godhead who's able to talk a language in groaning that the other persons of the Godhead understand. And he who searches the hearts, and this is God the Father, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. See, he could read the mind of the Spirit, and if his groanings are silent, just a member of the Godhead. He can read the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit is interceding for the saints according to the will of God. He will ask God for exactly what you need in the path of obedience. Where are you today? Do you need divine help? Is there something in prayer that you've come up against? So you got an unsaved child. You've you got a tough marriage. Uh, economics, you're knocking at the door. Health issues. Relational misunderstandings. Uh, just you feel frozen in the Christian life. You're not making progress. Uh, things that you have no power over. I hate it when I can't do anything about the situation. And that's what you run into when you deal with people. You just can't change them to be what you want. As though what you want is the ideal. But if I could just change them by choking, I would choke more. But it doesn't work. You can make the child sit down, but you can't make them submit. You can't change the heart. 
So the help we need, obviously, one area is this ignorance that overwhelms us in a fallen world when we're handed one situation after another that we lack wisdom, we lack uh, the right way to go, and uh, yet it all works out. I always think of an experience I had when I was teaching at a college, and I was overwhelmed with uh, trials of different sorts and uh, different situations. I was troubled. Uh, I could hardly sleep. And I sang myself to sleep that night. Poor Carolyn, she's working at the lab, and I'm over here uh, late at night singing to myself to calm my nerves. And, And I... I sang favorite songs of mine. He whispered sweet peace. Love lifted me was the last one I sang. I sang myself to sleep. Trouble. Confused. No answer. By the time I woke up, the peace of God flooded my heart. Nothing had changed out there that I knew about. But the Spirit all night had been ministering to me. He'd been talking to God about me. And he said, the poor boy doesn't know how to get through it. He doesn't know the answer. He's just a young man. He doesn't know. But I know. And the Father said, I can read the mind of the Spirit who's interceding and groaning. They need help. And I've sent you help. The Spirit will ask God for what you need and give it when you're too dumb to know what you need. That's what he said. We need help. And he said, I'll send it. Six. I picked this up next week. You know, this is too good. This is, this is one semester of seminary if we got into it. Look at Galatians. The Holy Spirit comes to help us and fill us with the character of Christ. And just look in 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will be controlled by the flesh. And walk means your manner of life. Order your manner of life in reliance on the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Well, well, uh, flesh is no big problem. I can handle it. Uh Then he says, well, the flesh is opposed to the Spirit. And if you're led by the Spirit, you won't be under the law. The law can't control the flesh. It can tell it what to do, but it can't give you any power. That's what Romans 8, 3 and 4 says. Well, well, what's the flesh like? I don't have any problems with the flesh. How are you doing on the immorality? Impurity, sensuality. All seem to be in the realm of sexuality. Dirty mind, dirty morals, uh, sensuous, all in that area. Uh, out of control, sexuality, sensuality. Uh, our culture seems to be pretty much into it. Uh, wouldn't know what to do on a weekend if you didn't have those options. Then two are over uh, idolatry and sorcery. Then what about human relationships? I'm at enmity with who I'm working with. There's strife in my home. 
I'm jealous of this other person. I struggle with anger. I'm in 10 anger management classes and I'm mad that I have to attend. Uh, uh, disputing, uh, debate over everything, dissensions, factions, envying. Oh, by the way, I get drunk once in a while and carouse a little bit. And I didn't tell you everything, but things like this that I forewarned you about, that those who keep doing these kinds of things are not even going to heaven. They won't even inherit the kingdom of heaven. Where's the power? The power is in the source, this divine helper that he sent. The power is found in the Holy Spirit. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes.